to turn to John 13. If you've been in your reading plan with us, you read this, I believe it was Tuesday of this week, and it's a familiar passage to many of us. If you've grown up in church, been around church, you've heard this taught, and yet when I read through it on Tuesday, there were stuff jumping off the page at me, and I was like, man, this isn't what I was supposed to preach this Sunday, but this is what I'm going to preach this Sunday. Uh, It wasn't my plan, but I do believe it was God's plan. So read with me. Uh, We're going to read from verse Verse 1 through verse 17, then we're going to go back and unpack some things. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew, everybody say knew. He knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Side note, this doesn't really relate to where I'm going with today's message, but I feel like it needs to be said. How many times in life do you not realize now what God is doing, but later on you will understand? Man, how many times have we had this Simon Peter moment, Daniel Faster's encouragement? You may not realize now what God is doing as you have the hunger pains, as you wrestle with the temptation, as you get hangry and frustrated, and you're not as kind as you normally are to the people around you. Uh, Understand God's doing something. Man, when you're reading eight chapters a day in the Bible, it may seem like a lot. It may seem like too much. It may seem like, like, what am I even getting out of this? You may not understand now what God is doing, but later, I believe in faith, you will understand. I can tell you time and time again when my life, when I didn't understand what God was up to, I didn't understand what God's purpose was, but later on, I could look back and celebrate. I could look back and worship. I could look back and thank him, God, Thank you for what you were up to, even though I was ignorant, even though I was foolish, even though I may have complained, I may have been frustrated. You knew what you were doing in my life in that season. In fact, I would encourage you with this. If you don't know what God is up to right now, that's probably for a reason. Uh, he's up to something. And if you do think you know what God is up to, you might still be wrong. There were many times I thought I knew what God was up to, but he was up to something totally different. He was teaching me something far deeper than what I realized at the moment. So Peter, uh, who is always the one to... to Peter's like 100, right? Like, Peter's extra. Uh, like he, he, he doesn't do anything halfway. He doesn't do anything normal. First of all, he's like, I don't want you to wash my feet. Uh, so he gets, says this, verse 8, he says, no, you shall never wash my feet. Can I just ask you this? Don't ever tell Jesus never. Uh, like, like, you are inviting something into your life. You are asking for something if you tell Jesus never. So be careful with that word. He says, you shall never wash my feet. Spoiler alert, wrong. Um, 
Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So look at how Peter responds, being extra, being 100. He says, then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Just give me a whole bath. Uh, right? Let's just do, let's just do it all. <laughs> Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. In fact, the very next passage in John 13, we're not going to read through there today, starting in verse 18, is going to be Jesus predicting his betrayal and, and Judas leaving to go and betray Jesus. Verse 12, he says, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes. Now understand Jesus wasn't naked. There was an outer robe and an, and an inner linen garment. It wasn't just like our, he wasn't just wearing briefs, uh, right? He was clothed, uh, but he put on his outer robe again, and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. I ask you today, do you understand what Jesus has done for you? I think the reality is all of us, when we first came to salvation, we had just gotten a glimpse, just a, just a sliver, just a piece of a revelation of what Jesus had done for us. In fact, I believe the Bible teaches us that, that salvation is something we have received, it's something we are receiving, and it's something we will receive. It's, it's an ongoing process. And so the reality is, yes, I understand what Jesus has done for me, and no, I don't fully understand what Jesus has done for me. He's constantly giving us new revelation, greater revelation, greater understanding of what he has done. He said, you call me teacher, verse 13, and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of Jesus, God, that Jesus was not too good to take on the role of a servant. He wasn't too good to, to humble himself and take care of others and put others first. And so in that same way, God, we ask that we would get the heart of Jesus. God, that we would have the mentality of Jesus, that we would have the, the boldness, the courage, the passion, the faithfulness to serve God and to serve effectively in ways, God, that impact lives. We thank you for all that you were up to and all that you were going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. 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 Uh, so we've got some team members who are going to be coming through bringing some buckets of water so you guys can go ahead and take your shoes off uh, and your socks. We're going to wash each other's feet this morning. Kalel just looked at me like, no, we ain't. <laughs> You got the wrong one. Uh, <laughs> we're not really going to wash each other's feet. You can relax. You can keep your shoes on. Uh, oh, man. I wish y'all could have seen his face. Um, <laughs> How many of you guys have ever washed somebody's feet? 
A few of us. A few of us have been in those weird churches. Uh, I certainly have. I've actually done it in this church. Uh, so we were one of those weird churches. It has happened. We're not going to do it this morning. You can breathe. I do think it's a good exercise. I think it's a great lesson in humility. But obviously, as Jesus washed their feet, he was trying to teach them something deeper about serving, right? He, he was getting to something more than simply the need for clean feet. It's actually going to happen uh, in this chapter. Just shortly after he washes their feet, Jesus is going to foreshadow his death and resurrection and give us this ordinance of the church we call communion. Many call it the Lord's Supper. Uh, he's going to teach them the value of the bread and the wine and the symbolism that these things contain. Um, he's doing something in context here about the church, about the value of the body of Christ. But before he breaks bread with them, there's something else he must do first. We know that Jesus is always full of surprises, that he was always doing things that his disciples did not expect. And yet after three years of being with Jesus, really three and a half years of traveling and ministering with him, the disciples are still not ready for what he is about to do next. This suggests to us that Jesus had not done this yet. He had saved this act for this moment. There was something special he was trying to teach them. The teacher, the rabbi, the king, the Messiah, the Lord of all, the son of God, the almighty one, the creator, the anointed one gets down and he does the lowest grade thing that any of them could imagine. He takes on the literal role of a servant and washes their feet. Now, Imagine if this were to happen in modern times. Those of you who still don't work from home that actually go into a workplace, you got to work tomorrow and your owner, your CEO, the highest person in the company comes in and tells you to take off your shoes and gets on his or her knees and washes your feet. Would that be comfortable for you? Would that be something you don't really understand? Imagine if you came to church and in the middle of my message, I get down on the front row and I'm like, Shane, let's do this. Um, and Shane's praying that the live stream doesn't capture his feet on camera for all to see, right? Um, like it, it, it seems weird and awkward and uncomfortable in our context. In their context, it was much more familiar, this was something that actually happened and actually had to happen. Yet it was still awkward and uncomfortable for them, not because someone was washing their feet, but because of who was washing their feet. I can't think of anybody that it would just be natural and normal for them to wash my feet. Uh, my, my parent, my, my wife, my kids, like there's, there's nobody close enough to me that I'm like, man, if they just came and washed my feet, I'd be like, well, no. Just another day, right? Be like, what is going on? What are you up to? For them, it was not unusual. If you went into the house of, of a wealthy person, someone of status who could afford a servant, they had a servant 
who would wash your feet. It was something necessary. Now, if we were to wash feet this morning, some of us would be a little self-conscious about our feet, right? Uh, Hopefully, we all showered this morning, but if you did not shower this morning, you'd probably be a little more self-conscious about your feet. You know who you are, Uh, right? Uh, But we have socks, we have shoes, we have roads, we don't walk a whole lot. Their context was totally different. They didn't need a Fitbit to tell them they got their 10,000 steps. <laughs> they had their 10,000 steps in before lunch, right? Because they had to walk everywhere. Certainly, if you weren't a person of means and didn't have an animal to transport you, you walked everywhere you went. They also wore sandals. They also lived in a desert, in a hot place with rocky, sandy roads, dirt roads that they traveled on, and they traveled on the same roads that the animals traveled on. Uh, So you can imagine it was necessary to get your feet washed. You think your feet are funky. They had some foot funk going on back then, right? And so it was the worst job you could imagine. It was the lowest level job of a servant. In fact, we often talk about like the shepherds. The shepherds had the lowest job. Well, shepherds had a job. It wasn't a servant. Uh, This was even below the shepherds to wash the feet. And so Jesus, the one that by now they, all the disciples understand he is the Messiah. They, They understand who he is. Now, they don't understand that he's going to die. They don't understand all the things that he's going to do. But they figured out this is the son of God. This is the chosen one. This is the one who, who loves me, who created me. They know who he is, at least a picture, a portion of who he is. And he gets down and starts washing their feet. It's not just awkward. It's scandalous. This is something that should not happen. Peter says what they're all thinking. We give Peter a hard time, right? Because Peter's the one who opens his mouth and inserts his foot time and time again. But Peter speaks up for the group in this case. You're not washing my feet. This is, this is backwards. I should be washing your feet if anybody's going to be washing feet. And I don't wash feet, right? Uh, and yet Jesus washes their feet. He's obviously teaching us something. He's instilling some things for us. He's, he's building some principles for us. So what I want to do is I want to give us some lessons that Jesus was teaching his disciples. In fact, I've called this five foot washing fundamentals. Uh, five foot washing fundamentals. In fact, that today's message is the, the fundamentals of foot washing. Uh, but I'm going to give you five of these fundamentals. What is Jesus doing? What is he teaching? What is he instilling and putting into them? Remember, this is Jesus' last conversation with his disciples before he dies. He's leaving a, a final impression on them. This is the most important stuff he could give them. If you've ever had a conversation with someone who knew They were going to die. They knew they were near the end of their life. Those words were massively important to the person who spoke them, as well as probably to you when you heard them. This is a significant conversation. The disciples don't understand the significance of it yet, but Jesus did. And so he's given them the most important stuff he can teach them, which I believe as his disciples, this is some of the most important stuff he can teach us. So what are these fundamentals? Let me give you five of them. The first one is this, is that Christ's kingdom operates or works the opposite of ours. 
Christ's kingdom works the opposite of ours. We see this in, in a number of ways, right? Jesus says, you've heard it said not to commit adultery. Well, I say, hey, if you even lusted after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery with her. You've heard it said not to commit murder. Well, I say, don't even insult your brother or your sister. Don't put them down, right? He has this whole list of things. You've heard this. Well, I say this. So he's already demonstrated that his kingdom operates differently than our expectations in a number of ways. He teaches us things like you get in order to, or you give in order to receive. In fact, he even says it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? That's the opposite of what we think, the opposite of the way that the world works. So he gives us another illustration of this. See, we are selfish beings. We are worried about our convenience, worried about our position, our recognition, our respect, our schedule. But Jesus says, my position isn't important. I got the highest position. I got the greatest position. I'm the most important, and yet I'm choosing to not worry about position and worry about others. I'm going to prioritize someone else rather than myself, and he takes on this role of a servant. (coughs) Excuse me. In Matthew, he built on this a little bit before this conversation. In Matthew 25, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. I think if we could have one phrase that sums up Jesus' ministry and teaching to his people, it's this, not so with you. Right? They do this, they operate that way, but we're going to operate differently. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This conversation that they're in actually happens because James and John's mom comes to Jesus and says, hey, uh, when you go into your kingdom, grant that my two sons can sit next to you. Man, that they can have the, the, the throne on your right and the throne on your left, that everyone can see how great my boys were. Man, how significant they were. And James and John were. They were significant. They were given incredible roles, incredible opportunities. In fact, James was the first disciple martyred for the cause of Christ. He he was the first one of the 12 who lost his life for the name of Jesus. And John was the only one who did not, the only one whose life was preserved, who lived uh, and, and was able to die of natural causes rather than being murdered for following Jesus. God gave them places of honor in Jesus' kingdom. But Jesus said, look, Who sits next to me? That's not even for me to give. That's for my father to select. But then he takes this request that you would put my kids at a place of honor. And I mean, what mom doesn't do this, right? This is is basically her riding around with the bumper sticker that her kid's a terrific kid, right? Like, Like, my kid got straight A's. My kid's an honor student. Like, look at how great my children are. Look at what awesome mom I am. Like, this is normal, a little different, but normal human reaction to want to be elevated, to want our kids to be honored. But Jesus says, my kingdom works differently. If you want the highest place, you got to take the lowest place. If you want the greatest significance, if you want the greatest place of honor, you've got to choose 
to serve. So he follows up this conversation not much later by demonstrating it for them by washing their feet. So the first fundamental of feet washing is that Christ's kingdom works the opposite of ours. Big picture, big principle. The second fundamental of foot washing is that if Jesus wasn't too good to serve, then neither am I, right? If Jesus wasn't too good to do this, neither am I. If he could do it, if the Son of God could do it, if the one who sits on the throne, the one who, who is worshipped throughout eternity, the one who spoke all of this into existence, if he wasn't too good to serve, then certainly I'm not too good to serve. I'm not too good to get my hands dirty. I'm not too good to, to sacrifice my comfort, my place, my recognition, my honor, my, my, my stuff, my material goods, whatever it might be, I'm not too good to sacrifice for somebody else because Jesus wasn't too good to do it for me. Jesus says this explicitly in the passage. Verse 15, he says, I have set you an example that you should do. Everybody say should do. This isn't just, hey, something to consider. This isn't something that you might get to a point of doing. If you're a believer in Jesus, this is something you should do as I have done for you. And then he makes it very clear. He says, very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. Who's the master in this illustration? He is. Who's the servant? Me, right? I am not greater than Jesus. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus says, I've given you a couple roles. You're a servant, and you're a messenger. You see, the message is carried by the service. And when we choose to serve, it declares the message of the one who has sent us. <clears throat> we can substitute in this passage, by the way, or in this point, good for other things. Point, go put and put point two back on there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Point two, if Jesus wasn't too good to serve, then neither am I. Now, we, we can take that word good out and substitute a number of other things in there if we want. We can say, if Jesus wasn't too busy to serve, then neither am I. If Jesus wasn't too important to serve, then neither am I. If Jesus wasn't too tired to serve, then neither am I, right? Like we, we can insert a whole lot of different things in there. Man, we think we got a lot going on. Jesus had a whole lot going on. You know what Jesus had going on? Jesus is about to die, by the way. Man, he's got a few, literally a few hours of, of opportunity to relate to his friends left. A few hours left before he's going to be arrested and going to die. And he chooses in that time to serve. And you think Jesus was tired? Man, he was exhausted. He's wrestling with the weight of the sin of the world that he's carrying to the cross. Do you think Jesus was, was in a good place emotionally? Man, he had a lot that he was going on. He was exhausted. He, he had to deal with the disciples, and these dudes were dumb, right? You think, like, like, he had to constantly <laughs> correct them. Like, you see him get so annoyed with them sometimes. He's like, oh, you have little faith, right? He's like, haven't you figured this out by now? Haven't I been with you long enough? Like over and over, like you just see Jesus, like a, a, you see him as like a frustrated parent. It's like, man, didn't I teach you this already? And, and then I think, man, how many times he gets frustrated with me like that? Like, how 
didn't I teach you this already? Didn't we already go over this? Do we have to do this one more time, right? We don't think of Jesus being tired. We don't think of Jesus being busy. We don't think of Jesus being drained or exhausted. But I believe he was all those things in this moment. And yet, despite who he was, despite all that he had been through, despite the anxiety of what he was about to experience, he still chose to serve. He said, it's important enough that I'm going to do it even in this moment, perhaps even especially in this moment. So if Jesus wasn't too good to do it, wasn't too busy to do it, wasn't too overscheduled, wasn't too drained, wasn't too exhausted, then I don't think we are either. Number three fundamental of first foot washing is that I serve Jesus by serving the body of Christ. That I serve Jesus by serving the body of Christ. Read with me in verse 14. Jesus says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. That phrase one another pops up again and again and again in the New Testament. And it's always indicative of the church. When he's talking about one another, he's talking about how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, this doesn't mean we don't serve the world. I believe in serving the world. I believe in serving our community. Man, that's the heartbeat of our church. We want to get outside the walls of this church. We're, we're working right now to schedule four Mission OB Serve Days this year. We're going up from, we used to do one, uh, then last year we did two. We're, we're shooting to do one every quarter. We want to get into our community. We want to serve this city. It's important, and it's valuable, and it's the heartbeat of our church. But, but Jesus says, I'm not just calling you to serve out. I'm calling you to serve in. So, so I want you to serve each other, that there's something about our brothers and sisters in Christ that is worthy of serving. There's something powerful that happens when we honor to serve in the body of Christ this morning. We've got around 25 people who are serving to make City Church happen. Between First Impressions, between Kids City, between our, our media team, our worship team, our communication team, it, it takes about 25 people to make a service happen at City Church. Sometimes that might be a little bit lower if one of our areas is a little low. Sometimes it might be a little higher if one of our areas is a little up. But, but we, we average around 25 people to make one service happen at City Church. I am so grateful for the people dealing with my kids right now. We took our kids to Lowe's yesterday. <laughs> Jesus looks at us and says, haven't you learned this by now? <laughs> haven't, haven't I taught you by this point? Man, terrible decision. Three children at Lowe's. Uh, it was the longest 30 minutes. I don't know, 45 minutes, however long we were there. It was too long. However long it was, it was way too long. Thank you. For serving in Kids City and not just tolerating my kids, but loving my kids. Thank you for pouring into my kids. Thank you, First Impressions team, for showing up and meeting somebody at the door, making them feel welcome. In fact, yesterday during, during our church prayer, we, we had a, one of our topics was for today's service, and I told them what we were talking about. And, and the lady who led out that prayer, she specifically prayed and thanked God for our first impressions team because she said that team made me feel so welcome when I first came to this church I wouldn't be at this church if it wasn't for somebody on our first impressions team 
man, it's a testimony. This someone who served, and let's just be honest, holding the door and saying hello is a whole lot easier than washing somebody's feet, right? We, we, we ain't asking you to do the biggest stuff Jesus is asking somebody to do. Like, this is pretty easy. It's pretty simple. But, man, it's powerful. It's important. And so Jesus says, I want you to serve one another. Shout out to everybody who's serving one another today, man. Thank you. For what you're doing, not just those who are serving today. Many of the rest of you are off today, but you're serving next week or the week after. Thank you for serving and making this possible, for making this happen. Fourth fundamental of foot washing is this, number four. When I understand my identity in Christ, it empowers me to serve boldly, passionately, and effectively. When I understand my identity in Christ, it empowers me to serve boldly, passionately, and effectively. Here, here's my favorite part of this whole passage. It's a part that's so easy to read past. I didn't realize this until a few years ago. And when it first jumped out at me, man, it grabbed a hold of me. And it fires me up. Go back with me almost to the beginning of the passage, back to verse 3. It says that Jesus knew. I told you when we, we said it to, to, to say the word knew because I was coming back to this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Why was Jesus able to humble himself and to serve? Because he knew who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. It was those three truths. It was his identity that empowered him to serve. We serve as an expression of our identity. When we realize who we are in Christ, we realize that we are loved. We realize that we are chosen. We realize we're accepted. When we realize we're forgiven, when we find out who we are, the natural expression of that is we get to serve. See, Jesus didn't need somebody else to recognize who he was because he already knew his father recognized who he was. He got his acceptance from the one who was most important, so he didn't care if everybody else thought he was a little weird, that he was the one washing somebody's feet. He didn't care if somebody else thought that, that somehow he should be above that, he should be better than that. He didn't need the recognition of the disciples because he found his identity in his father. It says because he knew. It says so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. He served from his identity. Do you know who you are, church? Do you know how loved you are? Do you know how blessed you are? Do you know how redeemed you are? Do you know how forgiven you are? Do you know how gifted you are? The reality is no, none of us know, right? Like we've only gotten a vision. We've only got a picture of some of it. Man, we're beginning to understand a little bit of it. But as the more that we understand, the deeper our understanding of who Jesus made us to be is, the more it's going to empower us to serve. It all happens from our identity. You see, so often in the world we get it backwards. We try to do something to become somebody. But the reality is we do what we are. You've already become. You're already loved. You're already chosen. Right? Jairo, we sang it last week. He says, I know who I am. I know what you've spoken. If I know who I am, I'm going to get down and I'm going to wash somebody's feet. 
I'm going to serve. I'm going to take a position and use my time, even if it's inconvenient, even if I'm tired, even if I got other stuff going on, even if there's so many reasons and so many excuses and so many distractions. I'm going to choose to value serving God's house because I know who I am. We got to know who we are, church. We got to remember our our identity. When I understand my identity in Christ, it empowers me to serve boldly, passionately, and effectively. Number five, our last fundamental of foot washing today. There is a blessing that I can't get except by serving the body of Christ. Now, we serve a God who blesses us in a whole lot of ways. Most of the time, it's not going to the mailbox and finding an $1,800 check. That's a good blessing, right? Grateful for those kinds of blessings, but that usually doesn't happen. It's not in my mailbox. Uh, But there's all kinds of blessings in the body of Christ, right? There's all kinds of blessings he has for us. I'm not saying you won't get any blessings if you don't serve. Please don't mishear me. I'm not trying to manipulate anybody into serving today. That's, that's, That's not my message. You will be blessed as a child of God, right? You, are, you are, already are blessed as a child of God. But there is a specific blessing that God has reserved for serving. Jesus puts it this way in verse 17. He says, now that you know these things, you didn't know them before, so you couldn't operate in this, but you aren't ignorant anymore. I've taught you this. Now that you know these things, he doesn't just say, go do it. He says, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, again, I don't think he's saying this is, you're not blessed if you don't serve. But he is saying there's a specific blessing. I got a special blessing on serving. What does that blessing look like? It looks like purpose. It looks like fulfillment. It looks like deeper relationship, right? I, the, the people that I know the best, the people that are, I'm closest to in the church are the people that I've served alongside the most, and I remember when we first moved into this building, being here with Spencer and, and one other guy and knocking out. Man, this, this whole place looked a whole lot different before Spencer got a hold of it. Uh, but, but we're knocking out walls, and they're doing the hard work, trust me. But, but I, was, I was here. Uh, right? we're, we're rubbing elbows, and we're talking, and we're building relationship, and, and we're doing things. I can't tell you how many times I, I, I've met with this guy right here, Jimmy Folt, man, and we, we've talked church. We've, we've talked life, man. I can't tell you how many times he's encouraged me. If you need some encouragement, you need to get to know Jimmy Folt, by the way. Uh, this guy just has a natural, built-in encouragement gift. You can't have lunch with Jimmy Folt and not smile. You can't do it, even on a fast. I have, I have had lunch with him on the Daniel fast. We had to go to, one time we went to Wendy's so I could get a baked potato with no butter on it. Uh, had lunch with, with Jimmy on the Daniel fast, and I ate my dry potato, and I had a good time. That's a gift right there. Man, when you can encourage somebody over their dry baked potato. But you know why? Because we served together for a long time. Because we've done ministry together. Because we've been close, man. And God's brought us close. There's blessings. That's a blessing I never would have had if I didn't get in the body of Christ, if I didn't serve. And I could go around and talk about so many different areas and so many different people and all the stuff you guys have done. But can I just tell you this? We're blessed for serving. There is a blessing on those who serve. I don't think it's just relational. I don't think it's just fulfillment, right? I think there's more than that, but I absolutely think it is that. 
Jesus told his disciples one other thing before this conversation. But he said that if you give up anything for my name, I'm going to give it back to you 30, 60, and 100 times in this life and in the life to come. I know a lot of times the reason I'm going to ask our ushers to come down and, and pass out some, some cards with some opportunities to serve. I know a lot of times the reason why some of us may not serve is, man, we're, we're busy. And I get that that's legitimate. I'm not here to mock that or to put that down or, or, or to, to insult anybody who feels busy right now. If you guys go ahead and start passing those out. Um, but I want to say this. God's promise to us is if we give something up for his sake, he's going to give it back to us more. So if you're too busy right now, if your life doesn't have enough free time in it, I would encourage you, start using some of that time for the church, for God's kingdom, and he's going to give you more time. He's going to multiply that back to you. He's going to bless you in many ways. If we had time this morning, I wish we did. We could let almost everybody in this auditorium share about the power of serving. Almost everybody in this room has discovered this, has seen this. You guys could give such amazing, incredible testimonies. Um, man, that's, that's my homework. I didn't even have homework for you this week. This week, share with somebody how God's blessed you by serving. That's your homework. Share with somebody in City Church. Uh, text. Uh, go, go to lunch with them. Do, do whatever. I don't care how you do it. Before you leave the building today, whatever. Just share with somebody a way that God has blessed you because you served. We just passed out some cards. I'm going to ask you to pray over this. Now, some of you, you, God may have already been tugging on your heart. In fact, yesterday when we were praying over this stuff at church prayer, uh, one lady said, God, I already know. Uh, God's already been dealing with me. I need to get involved. And so she, she came to me and she's like, you just tell me where you want me, Pastor. You tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. I'm, I'm ready. You may already be in that place. You may not. And that's okay if you're not at that place. I want to encourage you to take the next two weeks and to pray over this. If you're fasting, man, make this part of your, your fasting. Um, but over the next two weeks, pray, God, where, where would you cause me to serve? Where would you lead me to serve? What area would you have me to get involved? I put uh, five different opportunities on this sheet. Um, and there are other opportunities. Many of you have served in other areas, done other things in the church. Um, but, but these are some high-priority ones. And when I say high-priority, it's not that these are more important than others. These are areas that have more need right now than others. So like, for example, you don't see worship in the 662 on here. Worship, we didn't forget about you. We love our worship team. 662 leaders, we didn't forget about you. 662 students, we didn't forget about you. Those are just areas that, that are, have high involvement right now. Um, but because of coronavirus, because of a whole lot of things that have happened, some of our other areas are, are low right now um, and have great opportunities, great need for people to get in. Here's what I believe. I believe that this year, this stuff is going to start to clear enough to where we get back to whatever the new normal is. I don't think it's ever going to be gone for, for good. I think it's, it's endemic. We're going to have, COVID's going to be something we deal with forever, just like the flu, just like colds. Like, it's, it's never going to be gone for good. But I think we're going to, this year, we're going to start to hit the new normal. And what I believe that means is a whole lot of people are going to start coming back to church. And we got to be ready when they get here, church. We got to have teams that are ready to receive their kids, to love on their kids. First impressions team that's full enough to be able to, man, that nobody walks through those doors and gets missed. Uh, we we got to have a media team that, that isn't just leaning on the same four or five, six people to make it happen every Sunday. I'm so grateful for those five, six people. Man, you guys are incredible. But we got opportunities to give them a break, to take a load off of them so that, man, they can serve on a more healthy basis. Um, 
So here's what we're asking for. I also put on here, host a city group or lead a city group. If that's, a, that's a great opportunity as well. Um, if God lays any of these areas on your heart, and I want you to pray about it legitimately, ask him. Don't just write it off. Don't just say, I'm too busy, I can't do it. Just, just ask God. If God says no, I ain't arguing with him. I've learned that lesson the hard way. God's, that's okay. God can say, no, I don't need you to do this right now. But he's got to say it. Um, but ask him. And if he lays one of these areas on your heart or, or just, you're, you're interested in trying it out, that's all it is. It's, it's a tryout. You're not signing the rest of your life away. You're not committing to do something forever. Man, we, we're going to ask you to try it out for three months. For, for first impressions, for media, uh, for Kid City, try it for three months. That's literally three times. You're going to serve one Sunday a month for three months just to see, hey, is this something that I can function in? Because what we want you to do is something you're excited about. We, want you, we, we don't want to put people back there in Kid City who are there because they're obligated. That's why some churches, they require parents to serve in their kids' ministry. We don't do that. And, and that gets brought up every once in a while. What if we just every parent had to serve once a month? The reason we don't do that is because, man, we want people with our kids that want to be with our kids. And we've done that before, and we've put parents in there who did not want to be there, and you could tell. Uh, and, man, th- th- there's no blessing in that for those kids. We want our kids to know they're loved and they're valued because they are. Okay, so we're not obligating people to serve. We're saying give it a shot. Give it a chance. Give it a try. Whatever that area is. If at the end of three months, you're like, man, this is not for me, it's okay. Let's find the thing that is for you. Uh, but, but give it a shot. Now, with work, city groups, it works a little different because we work through a semester, so you can't, like, host a city group three times and be like, get out of my house. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Looks a little different in that context, um, but we only ask for one semester. You're not opening up your home forever. You're opening up your home for 13 weeks. Uh, So just so you understand the ask. And signing this card doesn't mean you're committed to it. It just means, hey, I want to find out more information. I want to talk about, hey, is this something, what does this look like if I were to get involved in this area? So you can turn this in any Sunday in our offering buckets when they go by. You can turn it in in any of our giving stations. We have posted all the exit doors as well as on your way out of the auditorium. You can bring them to our worship night uh, in in two weeks, or next Sunday, excuse me. Whatever that looks like over the next couple of weeks, man. But if God leads you to to serve, some of you are already serving. Most of you already are, actually. So maybe maybe it's an opportunity to go from one Sunday to two. And you're just going to check that box for this area you're already in and say, hey, I want to serve more. Uh, or you can just talk to your area director and do that. Or, or maybe you're going to go from serving in one area to two areas or whatever that might be. We're not asking you to serve every Sunday. We're not asking you to, to be here every time the doors are open. We are asking, man, let's serve the body of Christ. Let's follow the example of Jesus. And let's discover the blessing that God has, the fulfillment, the peace, the impact he has as we serve. Because, man, his church is going to reach some people this year. We're going to see some people get saved this year. We're going to see some people get baptized this year. We're going to see some marriages restored this year. God's going to do some things through this church this year. I truly believe that. I can't wait. We're going to talk about that more next month as we get into to our next series. Um, it's going to be up to something. We've got to be ready. Amen?